Well, good morning, everyone. Did you know this is the day the Lord has made? And we only have today, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. It's like the daily manna that uh, comes to us, uh, the Word of God. And we're reading today from uh, Mark, the 10th chapter, beginning at the 17th verse. Like Lee said, it's on page 707 if you'd like to follow along. As Jesus stuttered on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false witness to testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around him and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man is it impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, we have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters, mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in the present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecution and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thank you, Dan. All right, so uh, nothing really there, right? Nothing, nothing good. Just kidding. Um, this is pretty, pretty challenging text today, pretty uh, straightforward, um, if, if we're honest with it. Um, but we'll kind of just dive right in and go through. Um, so a man comes to Jesus, and he asks seemingly legitimate question, hey, how, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do so that I can have eternal life? And Jesus, instead of answering him right away, kind of prefaces the question um, by first pointing to God and says, why do you call me good? You know only God is good. This kind of seems a little strange because we know that Jesus is God or we believe Jesus is God. Um, but I think maybe the man is at a place where he maybe... Jesus is sensing that this man is just coming to him 
human to human rather than human to Messiah. So I think Jesus is saying, no, like, God is good. So let's, let's put the focus back on God. If you don't think I'm God, that's all right. Let's, let's turn it to God then. So he says, God is the only one who's good. And then he answers him and says, all right, you, you know the law. Here's, here's all the steps of the law. Do these things. You're good. <clears throat> and then the man says, okay, well, I've done all these, so is there anything else you can give me? You know, it, it seems like it's either out of humility or pride. We, we aren't sure. We don't have the inflection of his voice. We don't know how the man responded, but it seems like he's not satisfied with that answer. That's, that's not enough. It seems like he, even though he's doing all these steps and even though he's, uh, he's following the letter of the law, it seems like there's still something missing. He acknowledges in his heart, there's still something missing here. And so, Jesus uh, responds by looking at the man and loving him. And I think this is, uh, this is really beautiful because we know that Jesus isn't responding out of indignation when he, when he says what he's about to say. He's saying it out of love. He's saying it out of true, unconditional love. And he's not holding back. I think um, if we were in Jesus' position or if we were in a position like that, we would kind of see, see this man and see all the good things he's done. And seems like a good guy, right? I mean, we'd probably probably say, all right, man, you, you're good. You look, you know, you're, you're following the Lord. Um, but Jesus, when Jesus looks at him, he's really looking at him. He's seeing somehow in a way only Jesus, the only way the Lord can, he looks and he sees what's in his heart. And he knows what the man is actually holding onto and what the man is holding back um, from God. And so that's when Jesus says, um, these words says, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This is a display of true unconditional love. I mean, we, we kind of read it and we see it as a rebuke, maybe to those who are wealthy, but Jesus is, sees what this man needs to do, what this man is, is lacking. Um, and ironically, what he is lacking is that he lacks nothing, that he is rich, that he is wealth. Um, so verses 21, we just read 22, it says, at, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. And this is the first we, we hear or we see that this man was wealthy. At first, he just seems like a man that is coming to, to Jesus and asking an honest question. But now we find out that he's a wealthy man. In other books, Luke says that he is a ruler, that he has power, some sort of power. <coughs> Excuse me. And so at first glance, when we, when we first read this passage, it kind of just seems like, okay, Jesus is rebuking wealth. It's kind of slapping this guy in the faith for being, wealth, uh, for being wealthy. But I think if we dig a little deeper here, um, I don't think it's just wealth, or it's not only the wealthy that, 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 Jesus, is, um, that Jesus is pointing out here, because what, what is wealth, really? What, is, what does money give you? If you have a lot of money, um, I mean, you obviously can, you can buy anything you need, probably anything you want. You have lots of possessions, probably have some sort of power, some sort of status. You have kind of maybe a, an aura about you that you feel like you are better than others, perhaps. Perhaps not. Perhaps there's a, a sense of security. You know I'm financially secure, I don't have to worry about, you know, I don't have to worry if something comes, I have, you know, 
If I have a big bill coming up, if my camel breaks down, can take it to the shop, it's fine. Probably have a really nice luxury camel, in fact, which is good. Probably has really nice clothes, probably can, can bathe every day, um, probably has, you know, can, can be more attractive, can buy the nice, you know, oils and makeups or whatever. And uh, there's, you know, well, I mean, we think that money is everything. We think that money brings everything, safety, comfort, you know, you can pay for our kids' college, we can pay for our daughter's wedding, we can, we can buy anything. Money buys happiness, right? I mean, that's what, that's what we... It's what we see on the TV, isn't it? It's what we hear the world saying, right? That money, if you have money, you have everything, right? So when Jesus is saying here is that completely opposite of that. He turns what the world would say is good and right. Wealth. And he completely turns it upside down and says, no, that's, that's getting in your way from following me. And I, when I put myself into this story, when I put myself in the rich man's shoes, I like to think that I would be able to let go, that I would be able to sell all, truly do what Jesus said and sell all that I have and go and follow Jesus. But I think all of us have something that we, that we hold near to us that maybe we aren't quite giving to Jesus. Um, because Jesus kind of gives this man a choice, right? I mean, he makes the cost of following him very clear. He says, if you want to follow me, this is what you must do. Sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then you can come and follow me. Or keep your possessions and don't follow me. The choice was pretty clear. And the sad thing is, is that the man chooses possessions. He chooses wealth. He chooses status and what is good in the world's eyes a very temporary thing, if we're honest, instead of following Jesus. He chooses to, to turn away and not to follow Jesus. And unfortunately for us, this is the last we see of this man. And so the story ends for him uh, pretty sad, pretty, pretty bleak, if we're honest. But we, we get to see Jesus respond to this and we get to see uh, even the disciples, how they respond to it. Um, because again, if, if we put ourselves in the man's shoes here, it seems like Jesus is just rebuking him for his wealth and that's it. But if we dig deeper, we can see that, no, we can relate to this because it's not just wealth. It's whatever we're holding back from God, whatever we're holding close to our heart, whether it be wealth or it could be power, it could be relationships, it could be anything. It, it, it really could be um, Whatever we're holding back is what Jesus wants. And so there's invitation here in these, next, in these next verses. So verse 23 through 25 says, Jesus looked around after the man had walked away. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. He doesn't say the rich, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples say, then, then who can be saved? This is impossible, Jesus. 
It's impossible to take a camel and put it through the eye of a needle. The camel was the biggest animal in the Palestinian day. You can't take the biggest animal and put it through the smallest opening. This is completely backwards, Jesus. What are you, what are you saying? This is impossible. Verse 26 says, the disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who can be saved? Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them with man, this is impossible. And I think that because the disciples, the fact that the disciples, people that actually did give up everything, did, they, they are probably the, the poorest of the poor. They are living day to day. They gave up everything. As Peter goes, uh, uh, points out, as, as only Peter would probably do, uh, as Peter points out, They've left everything. They've done it. But yet, even them, even they, even they don't, don't think they can. Who can be saved? And this is why I think that Jesus isn't just rebuking wealth here because the disciples are anything but wealthy. And even they are feeling the pressure of the word that Jesus gave. And I think <clears throat> when as we've seen so frequently throughout Mark, whenever Jesus has a one-on-one uh, encounter with someone, he, he gets very close and he, he gets right at the heart of an issue, of the issue. And with this man, he was able to see through all of the worldly things. He was able to see through all of the things that uh, we would consider good works. He was able to see through all that and, and look right at this man's heart. And he saw that this man was keeping wealth or riches close, that this is the thing that the man was holding back, said, okay, Jesus, you can have all this other stuff. I'll follow this law, but I'm going to keep this. I'm wealthy. I don't want to give up that. And Jesus somehow was able to see that in this man. And then Jesus asked him, all this is great, but I want this. I want the thing you're holding back. I want everything. And that's the, that's the hard truth about Jesus's, what Jesus says to this man is he's, he says, I don't want part of you. I don't even want most of you. I want all of you. I want everything. Even this one thing that you aren't giving me, I want it. And I think when we, when we see the text like that, that Jesus wants all of us, we, we can relate to the disciples saying, Lord, who can, who can be saved then? Because I can't give you everything. It's impossible, Jesus. But the beautiful thing is that if we continue reading in verse 27, Jesus says, I know. I know that this is impossible for humans, for man. He says, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So Jesus is saying, we can't, he's acknowledging that we cannot do it on our own. We need help. But we have to realize that we need help and we have to have faith that God truly can help us, that he can help us let go of that thing that we're holding near. And it really can be anything. Job, retirement, Kids, family, pride, fame, power, sex, drugs, drunkenness, money, security. I mean, really, it's 
It could be anything. And if we look back, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament where God asked something ridiculous of a man. If you think back to the story of Abraham and Isaac, when Abraham, all he wants is a son. He wants a son so badly with his wife Sarah. And, and God promised Abraham that he would bless him and, and make a nation out of him. But then he hadn't even given him a son. So Abraham's thinking, well, how, how am I going to be, how, how is a nation going to come from me if I don't even have a son? So God says, be patient, wait. Okay, now that you're 100 years old, you can have a son. Your wife is 90 years old. She's going to bear you a son. And he's like, that's impossible. And then God says, nothing is impossible with God. And so, lo and behold, Sarah gives birth to Isaac uh, when she's 90 years old. And then a few chapters later, when Isaac is still a child, God says, Abraham, I want your son. I want you to take your son. I want you to go up to the mountain. I want you to sacrifice him to me. And probably one of the biggest examples we have of faith and obedience Abraham does it. I think we can read between the lines a little bit. I think we can probably assume that Abraham was pretty confused, probably maybe angry, uh, maybe frustrated. Uh, the text doesn't say uh, how Abraham responded uh, emotionally. It only says that he responded and he went out and he, did. he said, Isaac, we're going. Tied him up, put him on the altar, and raised the knife to, to strike him down. And then God said, no, no, wait. What are you doing? No, I don't, I don't actually want you to kill your son. I just wanted you, I wanted to know that I was everything, that you weren't holding anything back. And even Abraham's most prized possession, which was his only son, his favorite thing, he, he let go. And I think we could understand it if he said, no, God, I don't, I don't want to give you Isaac. I think we would I think we would understand if, if he said no, but he didn't. He said, God, I, I have faith. I don't, I don't get it. You said you're going to make a great nation for me, and now you're going to kill my, my only son. That, like, that doesn't make any sense, God. But his faith was stronger than his doubt. His faith was stronger than his fear. His faith was stronger. And it was so strong that he, he let go of. Even the thing that he was holding close, he let go and said, all right, I surrender. I surrender all to you. I'll lay even my most prized possession, my, my only son, I'll lay him at the altar and offer him as a sacrifice to you. That's a, that's a, that's, this is a hard text today. Because God doesn't want just part of us. He doesn't want most of us. He wants all of us. He wants everything. And he asks for everything. And that's what it means to follow Jesus. And that's hard. Jesus, Jesus admits that it's hard. He says, it's, for a man, it's impossible. This is an impossible request. But that's why we needed Jesus. That's why he had to come and he had to die because we can't do it on our own. We can't give God everything. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If we're willing to let go. 
And this is a heavy challenge. For the man in Mark, the thing he was holding close was his wealth. It says he, he went away saddened because he was a man of great wealth, which means he, he, did, he said, I can't do it. So what is the thing that we are holding close? When we look in the mirror and take this scripture and take this passage and, and Jesus says this to us, what is he asking us to let go of? What is he asking us to release, to lay before him at the altar and to give him up, to surrender? Um, if I can be honest with you guys, uh, God has been refining me in this way uh, quite a bit for the past uh, several months. <clears throat> um, for, me, for me, the thing that I had been holding very close to my heart um, and not really giving to God was, was my band, Phineas, uh, specifically me being in the band. Um, and over the course of several months, God's been teaching me how to let go, what it means to actually let go. Um, last summer, we did about 10-week tour um, and Katie, my wife, flew out for about five days of that. But we were apart for about nine, a little over nine weeks. Um, and that was really hard for us, really hard uh, for her especially, being home alone for, for that long. Um, and I kind of just felt like I was, I was in this kind of codependency state of just trying to juggle everything, juggling my life, juggling my marriage, juggling the band, juggling my, my job, you know, kind of just trying to do this juggling act, trying to make it work, trying to keep, keep it, everything in balance, you know, and, and we all know the feeling, right? I mean, we all know the feeling of trying to make things work, and sometimes it just all crashes down, and at the end of summer, that was, that was what happened. It all kind of came to a head. It all crashed down. We were kind of in panic mode, you know, um, and I think people would have understood if we had said, all right, we're done. We're not doing Phineas anymore. We're out, you know, it's done. Uh, but instead, instead of making any quick decisions, we decided to step back, to pray, to seek the Lord and to ask him, God, what do you want? What, instead of, we're, we're done juggling this stuff. We're done trying to make everybody happy. We're gonna give this to you and say, okay, God, what do you want? We surrender. So we, we weren't sure. Um, God kept saying wait, or I just didn't hear God say anything, so I was just like, okay, I gotta wait. Keep, keep, keep going. Um, through counsel, through lots of prayer, uh, I decided to take, or we decided that November, our November-December tour I was gonna take off and not, not do it, um, so that I could stay home, spend time with Katie, and really spend time in prayer to try to figure out, okay, what, what is the path God has for us, because right now, it, all I see is where I'm standing, and it's scary, and I don't know. Everything else is dark. I don't know where we're supposed to go. <clears throat> and I was open to my bandmates as well. Had, they were praying for us. Uh, I know you, a lot of you were praying. My, my, my folks were praying. Um, it's just a lot of prayer, and I knew I was supposed to take that time off. And also, during that time, uh, God made it clear to me that I needed to, uh, to lead a mission trip with my wife. Um, my wife got a job last May, and part of that job was um, uh, to lead a mission trip in the summer of 2014. And normally, the, whoever, the person 
leading it, their spouse leads it with them. But when she first got the child, we kind of just said, oh, well, I'm going to be on tour. I'm going to be, be gone all summer. So, you know, we, it wasn't even an option. We kind of just threw it out the window. We didn't even consider it, you know. Um, but when we stepped back and asked God, okay, God, well, wait, that's what we thought. But what do you want? God made it clear to us that he was calling me to, to co-lead, to lead alongside her, and that we would be able to do that ministry together. Um, and so that was like, okay, well, I know you're calling me to this, so I know I need to take this time off from the band for the summer. Okay, well, okay, God, well, what, about the re- what about the rest of it? Am I, am I done? Uh, do you want me to do these tours we have in between? What, what's, you know, still, still, still praying, still waiting, um, still spending time silence, just trying to listen. Um, and it's hard. The tension is hard. It's hard to live in that, that mess. We don't want to live in that mess. Um, but after praying and praying and praying um, for weeks and weeks and weeks, um, Katie, Katie heard it first, but I, uh, it took me a little longer to, to hear. But uh, both, both eventually came to agreement that God was calling me to do the tour that we had in March, um, and that was after we um, did some training for our mission trip. I came home, was with you guys for a week, and then was gone for the last four or five, five weeks or so. Um, <clears throat> and on that tour, God did a lot of amazing things, um, not just in our ministry to people that came to the shows, but even in our own band, he, he shook up um, things in our band and kind of... Uh, did a, a, lot of, a lot of moving, a lot of shaking, and things that both Katie and I, things that were confirmation for us that I was supposed to be there, that, that it was right for me to be there, that I needed to be there. Um, and that's what's so good about when we take these leaps of faith, when we say, all right, God, I don't get it. People may not get it. People may think, oh, you're crazy. You're going out on tour again after you had this, you know, after you're kind of in panic mode for a while. And it's just like, well, this is what we felt God was calling us to. And it was confirmed for us. Um, in really big ways. But the journey doesn't stop there, does it? Um, we got to keep, we, it's something that we're having to give every day. You know, okay, am I doing the next tour? Okay, you can do these two weeks. You know, it's kind of figuring out, okay, God, what do you, what's, what's your plan? You know, we don't have it all figured out now. Now that we got that, you know, that's, now we're, I mean, as Pastor Dan said, we're, we only have today. This is the day that the Lord has made. So it's a daily giving up. What am I holding on to today that God wants me to give up? It's a constant thing. It's a constant rhythm of our life. There are going to be things every single day that Satan tries to get us to, to hold on to. The beautiful thing is, though, is that we don't have to go through the journey alone. We have Jesus, and we have the promise that he said that he, that he is with us. He will never leave us or forsake us, and that nothing is impossible with God. We also have each other. We also have accountability and community that we can, we can keep each other accountable with this stuff. And that's what's beautiful. That's, what's, that's what church is. Church is following Jesus together because we need each other. If I was, if I was dealing with this, when I was dealing with this stuff on my own, I was, it was just a juggling act. But when I finally brought people in, brought my wife into it, instead of just trying to make everybody happy, when I brought everyone in, that's when my ears became unplugged and I finally was able to hear what God had 
God invites us to a better life. Do we believe? Do we believe that he will equip us and that he will make it possible for us to let go, for us to surrender? Because he said, he said he was. If we're willing to give him everything, he said he'll help. And the invitation lies in these last verses. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brother or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions. It's not going to be easy. But we don't have to go the journey alone. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. The world wants us to make this life all about us. He wants you to make it all about you. He wants me to make it all about me. But Jesus calls us to be last. He calls us to give up the things the world, the world says matter. To give it up, surrender to him. Give him everything. And follow Jesus. So what is God asking you to let go of today? What's that thing that you're holding near to your heart? Maybe it's very clear to you what that is. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you need to ask God to reveal that to you. Maybe you need to ask God to show you, to make it clear to you. What does he want you to give him so that you can follow him without turning back? It may seem impossible. It may seem easier to guide a camel through the eye of a needle. But remember the promise. Remember the invitation that God gives and that Jesus said that nothing is impossible with God. Remember that promise. Remember that invitation. Because that, that is the hope that we cling to. The hope of glory, the hope that we have in Jesus through the cross and through what we get to celebrate in a few weeks, his resurrection. All things are possible with God. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will walk with us every step of this journey. We just have to let go, offer ourselves up. Pray with me. Lord, your words are sometimes hard. This is a very challenging, very challenging text. We're so grateful for the promise that you are with us and that nothing is impossible for you, that we can do all things through Christ, through you who strengthen us, Lord. So we thank you for that promise. We thank you for the ways that you provided for us. Please make it clear, Lord, the things that we are holding back. We want to follow you. We want to let go. So Lord, just make it evident to us what we need to let go of, what we need to offer up as a sacrifice to you, Father. 
and we offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. We want to be holy and blameless before you, God, because we know this is our true act of worship. But we know that we cannot do this without being empowered by you. So please, Lord, give us strength, give us courage to be able to to learn how to follow you, to learn how to be last, to learn what it means to love, to learn what it means to give, to learn what it means to serve. Refine us as you wish, Lord. You are the potter and we are the clay. We give you our lives. Thank you so much for the cross, for the resurrection. Come, Lord Jesus, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.